Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. It's been one month since we started our exploration of Your Life Isn't For You, a selfless person's guide to being a selfish person's guide to being selfless by Seth Adam Smith. And as I was reflecting over the past month, I thought, oh, it's been such a full, full, full month here at Portland Center for Spiritual Living. And it reminded me of something I overheard in an Atlanta restaurant when a waiter was describing desserts to a woman who was insisting on identifying every single ingredient in every single one of the desserts on the dessert tray. And he was extremely patient with this woman. And he went through every single dessert. When he got to the last one, it was kind of this thick, layered looking something. And she said, well, what's in that one? And he said, oh, darling, I don't know for sure. But what I know is it's seven layers of really good stuff. And that's what it feels like here at Portland Center for Spiritual Living. Over the last month, it's like it's at least seven layers of good and more good, really good stuff. So we started our um, exploration of this book. Reverend Larry introduced us to the story of a giant, a giant that walled off his garden to keep the children out because they were just messing up his garden. And what the giant discovered was that the wall not only kept out the children, but it kept out life. And then we talked about compassion as that part of us that melts our hearts and we flow into life and we do connect with each other. And then I wanna talk about last weekend, not just Easter Sunday, but for those of us that were here for the surrender into the mystery service, and I want to specifically thank licensed practitioners Marcy Beck, Kate Barrett, and Dee Hartman for organizing, yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely, for organizing, planning that very special service because in that service, many of us came together and we made a commitment not to anyone else but ourselves to let go of the baggage we've been carrying around and to invite new life in. It was beautiful, it was sacred. And then, for those of us that were here last Sunday, it was, using a very familiar phrase, totally awesome. <laughs> I'm standing on this platform where last Sunday, the Friends Gospel Choir, and the, and the Portland Interfaith Gospel Choir stood and rendered music that shook the floor. There wasn't a person in this room not touched by the vibration of that music. And when John Gaynor sang, I need you to survive, many of us had tears streaming down our face. And so, yes, as we come together to close out this book, and today we're talking about breaking down the walls, it's true. 
We are one and we need each other to not only survive, but to thrive. So today we're going to look first at how can we remove the barriers around our heart. And then we're going to take a look at what can we do as religious scientists. Center for Spiritual Living is a religious science community. And how can we move forward in order to live where the entire world lives successfully? So let's start with these barriers. Many of you know that in the debunking um, Not Good Enough workshop that we did for as part of the Connection Circles, there were several of us that went through that workshop and we had a 28-day plan. And what we did is we looked at characteristics of vulnerability. Each day we would look at the characteristics of being emotionally available, risk-taking, and um, accepting ambiguity in the unknown. But what we also did was look at characteristics or qualities of our authentic self. And the way they are defined by Thomas Troward, who provided the philosophical foundation for science of mind, is that the seven substantive properties of universal mind, of which we are of that, we heard that in Catherine's prayer this morning, is life, love, light, power, peace, beauty, and joy. And each day of each week, we focused and contemplated one of those qualities. And we repeated this for four consecutive weeks. Well, when we came together to share our experience, two, two uh, types of experiences showed up. Those that revealed anything that was unlike spirit, and then those brilliant bursts of authentic self revealing itself. And so since we're talking about barriers, what were some of the barriers that showed up? Doubt, second guessing, fear, uh, attempting to control others and situations, shame, blame, giving up our power, carrying burdens and mistakes from the past. And then there was one big one, shooting on ourself and others. And it's interesting that this week in Science of Mind magazine, Dr. Reverend Michael Gott, who is writing the Daily Inspirations, defined shoulding as resentment in training. So here's how I know that to be the truth. Many of you recall that three years ago, right at about this time, I showed up with a purple cast. I'd been walking my dog and I... Uh, tripped and fell and had a close encounter with a concrete sidewalk, and the concrete sidewalk was not known for flexibility. So my arm was seriously damaged, and it required surgery. Well, the surgeon and the medical team said, well, when you have surgery, you're going to need um, help when you get home. So I had this vision. Call my sister. She's a licensed practical nurse. She should come and help her baby sister. So I called my sister and I said, I need your help. I'm having surgery and I'm asking you to come and help me in the post-op days. Well, how selfish of me. I'm, I'm calling her like, you know, you should be here on the next flight. I'll pay for your airfare, but you should just give up whatever you're doing. And because you're my sister, you should be willing to help me. 
Well, it didn't quite go that way. And there were some kind of ugly words that were shared. And then I said, let's talk about this tomorrow. Well, the next morning I woke up and I went, oh, I am being so selfish. I called her and I said, Marlene, I'm sorry. Just forget it. It's okay. I know that everything I need is being provided. Don't worry about it. Well, you know what? As soon as I let go of that resentment that I had built around my heart that should, you should be willing to help me, love and resources of support flowed in easily and effortlessly. Kathy Batten, my prayer partner, called and she said, Marilyn, you mentioned that you know, you're going to be needing a ride to and from um, day surgery. I'm available. Is that okay? It was like, perfect. When I came home from surgery, the neighbor down the hall, I barely knew this woman, but she saw this post-op dressing, and she said, do you need help walking your dog? She said, I'm just down the hall. It's no problem. I'll be more than happy to come each morning and each evening. And I said, I'll give you a key, and you just let yourself in. It worked beautifully. And then on the day after surgery, Sandra Clark said, Marilyn, I'm coming over for lunch. I'll bring lunch. And we sat and we had a lovely, lovely conversation. And before she left, she said, would you like a Reiki treatment? And that love and that healing just flowed through my body. And when she left, she said, now you get some rest this afternoon. I climbed into bed and I felt so loved. Everything and everyone around me was exactly the support I needed. Everything and everyone was expressing love. And it could only happen because I was willing to tear down the barrier I had put around my heart by feeling resentment because I placed a should on my sister. So what I'm encouraging each of us is to go within and look at our heart centers and say, where am I building bricks to the temple of doom around my heart? (laughs) In what way am I willing to just let that go? All I can say is that love flows in the instant we open our heart. And so next I want to move to that which we can do, knowing and having the tools we have in religious science. The first thing I want to share is something, it's a combination of something I learned from my mother, as well as a eureka moment that I had this week. Many of you remember the 1962 Cuban Missile Crisis. Several of you weren't even a gleam in your parents' eyes at the time of the 1962 Cuban Missile Crisis. But what it was, was a 13-day confrontation between the United States and the Soviet Union. And historians have said it was the closest we came in the Cold War for a full-front, all-out nuclear war. Well, what I remember about the Cuban Missile Crisis is the nuns shut down the school one afternoon and said, you need to go home and be with your parents. 
And when my sisters and I walked back into the neighborhood, we could tell something was amiss because all the adults were out and they were talking over the fences or there were kind of these hushed little voices. My mother said, girls, you can go outside and play, but you must stay in our yard. Well, what good does that do to go out and play if you can't go to the neighbor's yard? When we were outside, I heard the telephone ring and I heard my mother say, we'll be there. So we had an early supper and after supper, she said, girls, go get your rosary. I'm like, why? Why? Why do we have to go get our rosary? And here's what my mother said. Our leaders need help. We need to pray. We are going to a prayer vigil at church. Get your rosaries. Well, when mother used that tone, no one questioned it. And so there we were, we two by two. I was with my sister, the one that I was trying to shoot on three years ago. And my mother was holding my eldest sister's hand. And two by two, we walked the five blocks to St. Francis de Sales Catholic Church. And people were streaming into that church. It's the only time in that entire time that I was part of that parish that I saw the vigil candles on both the Blessed Virgin side and St. Joseph's side, every single one of those vigil candles was lit. And we prayed fervently, and we prayed for the wisdom of our leaders to be guided in their decision-making. We prayed that peace prevail. Well, through history, we can see that peace did prevail. Both giants backed off and a nuclear war was averted. So fast forward to last week in my, one of my ministerial classes, the professor said, religious historians agree that one of the major contributions of science of mind to the evolution of religion, I mean, now doesn't that sound big, evolution of religion is spiritual mind treatment. And I was like, wow, religious historians are talking about us. That's really special. Well, the next day I was scanning the headlines on my computer. And you'll know what headline was coming up when you hear this. And I had a eureka moment and I went, oh my gosh. As a religious scientist, I am armed with the mother of all blessings. It was a eureka moment. And then I remembered my mother. Our leaders need help. We need to pray. And here we are, religious scientists. We have the mother of all blessings. We have spiritual mind treatment. And the easiest one I know is there's one life. That life is God. That life is perfect. That life is my life now. So you can see where I'm going with this in terms of our homework. Instead of criticizing our leaders, instead of looking out there and pointing fingers and blaming, I'm asking you, I learned a new term in the racism workshop yesterday, default narrative. I'm asking you to have spiritual mind treatment as your default narrative. The place where your mind immediately goes when you see news out there that could be fearful, that could be scary. I'm asking you to just gleam on to spiritual mind treatment. There's one life, that life is God, that life is perfect, that life is my life right now. And if you want to carry it further, say, and I claim and affirm that our leaders are guided by the wisdom from within and peace prevails. 
You decide, but it's one life. That life is God, that life is perfect, that life is my life now. So that's what I'm suggesting as our at-home activity. But now I want to take us to our uh, final point for our message today, and that is what I call the tale of two borders. Now, in the media, we hear a lot about our southern border, and that there is a proposal that we are going to build a wall between the United States and Mexico, and that the cost of building this wall is $2.8 million per mile. There's 2,000 miles at that border. But I don't want to focus on that because there is another reality. We have a northern border. I was born in Fargo, North Dakota, and North Dakota is known as the Peace Garden State. We don't hear a lot in the media about the Peace Garden. We hear about sit-ins, we hear about pipelines, we hear about oil, but we don't hear about the, the Peace Garden. Well, the Peace Garden happens to be on the North Dakota-Manitoba border. It is 2,339 acres botanical garden dedicated to peace between nations. And I want to share with you what I wrote in my journal when I visited the Peace Garden in July of 2012. There is a peace tower in the center of the garden, and here's what's inscribed on the peace tower. 120 feet tall, the four columns of the peace tower are seen from miles around. These concrete columns consist of 17 precast sections. Each weighs an incredible 45,000 pounds or 22 tons. They were lifted in place by huge cranes in 1982. What does the Peace Tower represent? The four columns symbolize the four corners of the earth, from which thousands of immigrants arrived in Canada and the United States in the 1800s and 1900s to build better lives for themselves. The foundation stands for our common base of democratic beliefs. The tower's height represents the early immigrants' soaring ambitions. Two columns stand in Manitoba and two in North Dakota facing each other in two similar yet separate societies. The 4,000-mile-long border lies between them and is the longest undefended boundary in the world. Trust, it seems, is a good guard for peace. Trust is a good guard for peace. So what I'm asking us is where is our trust? Are we willing to place our trust in the principle of oneness? Are we willing to say, I am you and you are me, and that wherever we are in the world, we are one? And therefore, when one thrives, we all thrive. When one is in pain, we're all in pain. So I'm just asking us, are we willing to place our trust in the principle of oneness. And in so doing, are we willing to use spiritual mind treatment from that place of knowing the principle of oneness? We have the power to change the world.
The choice is ours. So it brings me back to the summary of this book that actually started in the foreword of the book. He started this book with saying, your life isn't for you, really, it's not. Your life isn't for you and my life isn't for me. The truth is that nature didn't design us to find fulfillment in living for ourselves. We can achieve the fullest measure of life only by living it for others. So I encourage us, let those bricks of that wall of the temple of doom, let them go away. Just give them up. In the surrender into the mystery, we buried them in the sand. And then we placed a shiny new stone representative of new life on the top. Let us remember that we have the mother of all blessings at our disposal, spiritual mind treatment. And let us always remember the principle of oneness. I am you and you are me. So let us pray. Right here in this now moment, there is one power, there's one presence, the infinite intelligence of the universe, that universal mind that is the creator and sustainer of all life. And this life is love, for it is the eternal givingness of itself to itself. There is no separation. And this eternal life flows in through and as every manifest form on planet Earth. I know it to be the truth of my life. I am an individualized expression of the one. And I know that to be the absolute truth of each person here today. So I claim and affirm that right here, right now, hearts open up, minds open up, and embrace the principle of oneness, that there is no separation. I am you and you are me. And each of us moves forward so that all may thrive, so that all survive, and that there is blessings in abundance upon this earth. I claim and affirm that there is a willingness to stop the criticism, stop the blame, stop the finger pointing, and say our leaders need help. Let us pray. And that we go forward with spiritual mind treatment to change the world, to create a world that works for everyone. I am so grateful for this truth that God is all there is, that the principle of oneness, that love is the truth right here, right now. And so I release my word into the activity and action of the law, knowing that this eternal servant of spirit always, always, always says yes. And so with complete conviction and firmament of mind, together we say, and so it is. Thank you for being here today. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. 
We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.